Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. After further review, listening to us and David the Man of God Harris, and uh, guess we're back here with our podcast. Uh, been away for a while during the summer vacation, and now we're back. And David the Man of God Harris, we're going to talk a little bit about toxicity and college football. Ain't that right, uh, David? Yeah, the stories are coming out. People are anonymously giving their two cents instead of putting their face behind it. And yeah, the precipice of another college football season, does another Big Ten school look like they're in trouble of losing their head coach? And that is... That would be one P.J. Flack. Now, actually, you you brought this up to me. Now, we do know about... uh, Fitzgerald in Northwestern and their their harassment and hazing allegations, which are right now are allegations, and they uh, fired uh, Pat Fitzgerald. But uh, now there's stuff going on with P.J. Fleck. Can you explain? Yes, there is a report that came out from a website called Front Office Sports, which what it's what another one of these news sites. Do we lend credibility? Maybe, maybe not. But they released a report this past Wednesday uh, coming out saying that there was a toxic environment under P.J. Flex since his tenure began at the University of Minnesota from the time that he, of course, for us in Toledo, was the bane of our existence in Western Michigan. Uh, a one, the, a one uh a guy that didn't like him was Zach Herrick, a former WXUT sports uh, reporter and sportscaster. He just didn't really like (laughs) P.J. Fleck. For some odd reason, did not like P.J. Fleck. But continue. Yeah. uh, I mean, he probably wasn't the only one. But when you you win, you get haters. Um, um, Yeah, so there's – he goes to Minnesota, and even at Western Michigan, there were all these acronyms, kind of the culture of row the boat, which um, kind of was the culture that he instilled in Kalamazoo that he brought to Minnesota. Which, so which started, by the way, he trademarked, didn't he? Like, he had it in Kalamazoo yeah. at Western Michigan and actually trademarked it, and it took it with him to Minnesota. Yes, he did, because obviously – Someone was going to run with it and get paid. And so he was like, no, this is mine. Makes uh, sense. Good business. Money. But yeah, it's good business. Makes sense. Putting money in the bank, so to speak. And accordingly, yeah, he used a lot of analogies in team meetings. A lot of, there were a lot of reports about kind of the culture being kind of this cult of personality surrounding PJ Fleck, according to these 
unnamed former players and unnamed uh, named former board of trustee member for University of Minnesota who claimed to be a whistleblower. And it was just a lot of reporting from players that there was, you know, punishments. It was um, you, the more that you put in, you had the heart, you had to do 120%. He was uber focused regarding player workouts and conditioning, make sure that they maintain a certain weight. Uh, and then just gave a lot of aspects thinking about, um, yeah, just the culture that for these former players was toxic and wasn't anything good for themselves and it impacted their mental health, which in this current day and age, we are highlighting a lot more and wanting to make sure that you know, mental health is an important aspect of the the athlete's experience, not just college, but at any level. Um, and then thinking about the severity of practices and the amount of intensity that players had to give from these, and it's only a handful. There are for the initial uh, publication one day story. There are six former players along with former staffers. And then another one came out after the Big Ten Media Day and P.J. Fleck naturally saying that these are baseless and other former players under Coach Fleck at Minnesota coming out to defend the former coach. And it makes it makes us wonder, and I don't want to obviously take sides. I just want to kind of present both sides. But if you listen to the former players the things that they are responding to, that they are saying um, that the environment was toxic and it required them to go above and beyond what they had been doing under the or under the previous administration, you know, players that were there at the early realm when PJ Fleck was getting his analogy, he was building his culture. There's some former players that are basically saying he was just instilling his culture. He was getting his identity, getting the acronyms, getting the mentality, and to quote some of the former players that came to PJ Flex's defense, basically said that the other guys were not not really cut up for it. Um and that they weren't able to handle the intensity of what PJ Fleck expected from his players. Um, and then even thinking in some of PJ Fleck's response, um, like he's talking about some of the punishments that some of, some of the former players were saying were kind of subjective based upon this point system, this kind of coin system based upon good things that you did, whereas PJ Fleck with his analogies, his acronyms, kind of trying to explain kind of life le life lessons in that kind of way. And so yes, there were um if you were late, you wrote a letter. If you were um 
if you're tardy, you know, you help clean the weight room afterwards, like things like that. But the way that it was shaped and it, you know, shaping on both sides to present the best, um, the best light for PJ Flack. Um, yeah, it, it's just back and forth. And it makes me think of just the toxicity that, for, first of all, former players are saying about a current program, like, um, it's, you know, a couple bad apples out of a bunch kind of creating a larger narrative than it is. Um, EJ Fleck mentioned that some of the, some of the former players and staff have been, had been dismissed or removed from the program. So well, is I, that I, kind of it? Is I, it like retaliation? Well, is I it, hear, yeah. we, once again, we, we'll, I'll sum it up for a lot of the people there that have been listening to this. Basically, what would happen is several Minnesota players told front office sports that Fleck would overlook positive drug tests and other team rule violations for players who had accumulated enough goodwill through a point system called Fleck Bank. Um, the former players and others said excessive workouts were used as punishment and described a cult-like culture that contained significant intimidation. Now, these are what... Former players who have they're not putting their name on it are are, are claiming. Um, Fleck claims that Minnesota has set up six channels where players can report mistreatment, including directly to the athletic director Mark Coyle, who told Front Office Sports that he had never heard such claims from Gopher players. Fleck noted that Minnesota's athletic department followed the football program's lead and not preventing physical exercise to be used as a punishment for athletes. As you know, sometimes if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you do extra running or whatever it may be the case. Um, our program culture is proven to work on and off the field, and it's always done in a first-class manner. Fleck told ESPN there are tons of testimonials from past, current, and future gophers. Fleck said during his Big Ten Media Day news conference that the Fleck Bank was an analogy he mostly used during the 2017-2018 seasons, which is about a good now going on seven to six years ago, about player investment in the program and how those would put more will will have better experiences. Pretty much typical if you buy in, usually if it's a positive culture and you buy in, usually you'll see positive results. We all know that. There was no currency ever exchanged. There was no coins that ever existed, Flex said. It was an analogy simply explain investment for life, a life lesson of investment, kind of like betting on yourself and how much do you want to put into yourself to achieve stuff. I totally understand that. No one ever got out of any type of punishment for that. Um, as you mentioned earlier, there was added punishments as in cleaning the weight room early in the morning or watching videos on tardiness and for those who are late to classes, writing letters to professors. Some college programs do that. I know here at UT, I don't think they do something like that. But I know when Matt Campbell was here, and I believe it was Jason Candle also had it, where football players at the University of Toledo program had to sit in the front row, couldn't wear hats um, in class. I had class with a lot of football players. That was true. A lot of football players, if you were on the football team, no matter who you were, whether you were a starter or not, had to be in the front of the class. And some of those lecture halls had two to 300 kids. Usually the football players had to sit in the front. Now, I was also here during the Amstad years, so that tells you how old I am and how long I've been doing this. And they didn't have that. It was it was all over the place. Sometimes dudes wouldn't even show up to class or they were trying to be the class clown. When Campbell kind of took over, or actually when Beckman took over, he kind of brought that in 
to existence of players sitting in the front of the classroom. Campbell took that as well, and I think Jason Candle, now the current coach, kind of continued that. You could tell a lot of the class clown stuff kind of got cut, you know, out of there, and they were actually good students in the classroom. So, to me, the day and age of this is that you can't coach. You, you, you can't. If you're trying to instill a culture where you're trying to instill accountability, sometimes you got to be tough. And I think some of the times, I hate to say it, if instead of taking accountability of a man, I just couldn't cut it, or maybe this program just wasn't for me, now you're trying to have baseless claims or allegations that there was harassment and hazing. This is going to be, I, I think, it, 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 it's, it's starting to become apparent to me that if people aren't getting their way, the first thing they want to start doing is claiming mental health issues or things like that. Now, I think those things are to be taken very seriously. But if you start to notice, it seems like if if things don't work out, you're using that calling card all the time. And I said, I try to tell people, be very careful, because then you start to start to be labeled as the boy who cried wolf. If it's real allegations, that things like this happen, need to be taken seriously but it seems like to me now that it's starting to become a calling card for people that don't agree with your opinions or don't agree with how you way you're running the program now you're starting to be labeled as someone that's mentally abusing them when in actuality it's just that maybe you just don't like the person and then if you start using that too much when these claims happen people aren't going to believe you all the time does that make sense yeah and yeah, kind of your words exactly from a former player, defensive back, Coney Durr, who was mentioned in the front office sports article, who basically said it's not for everyone. It's a program that you have to be ready to go through. You have to get acclimated to what's going on. It's going to take some time, and it's not something that you can just come in, clock in your hours, work out, practice, and go home. you got to you know, give a little bit more effort, not only on the field, but off it. It's, it's basically, if you want to be if you if you want to get acclimated with the program, then you will. Otherwise, like you said, you're just going to whine, complain about it, and create. Like it's okay to disagree thing, and this is obviously before the transfer era. That, as we know, as we come to know, well, people, people, right, era. exactly. The, the transfer explosion, where you obviously. But back then you could transfer, but you had to sit out a year and everyone didn't, you know, had to stay, stay put up with it. But a lot of times we've seen that me and you have seen this before working with sports. Normally the guys that are asked to be removed or don't get along with the culture, the stuff doesn't fit, are usually the ones that are, are, are crying at the top of the mountain saying how much poor the punishment was and this and that. Um, a lot of these things that I'm looking at, like writing letters to professors because you're late to class – well, that's an accountability thing. He wants you, he doesn't want you. You, you got to be, you got to understand that as an, a student athlete, you represent the university and you're seen. I understand football players have a helmet on, but most of the time people look at you and if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you get that stigma of the dumb jock. And then let's be honest, there's a lot more things that go on in other programs than writing a letter to professors because you're late because there's a lot of football programs but let's just be honest. Don't care about the student part. They just want the athlete. Give me my wins. 
That's all that happens. And when your eligibility is up, they don't really give a damn about you afterwards. Am I right? That happens. There are coaches yeah. out there that are like that. So to me, you know, watching videos on tardiness and writing a letter because you're late to class to professors is accountability and making you almost grow up and be understanding that for a lot of these athletes, let's just be honest, they want to get to the next level. They want to be a professional. Well, when you're going to be a professional in life, you got to take a lot of accountability. The programs that are letting stuff just go roughshod and doing whatever, you can tell the sloppiness, the disorganization leads to a lot of drama. Guys that are making you do some type of accountability and making you a great student athlete, as I once again mentioned, student athlete works. And let's be honest, too. We've seen this, too, David. A lot of times some of these athletes want to come in and just play ball. And when a lot of coaching staffs are also pushing to be a well-rounded athlete along with being a student athlete, some guys can't deal with that. It could be because of the environment they came from. You know, sometimes in high school, either some kids came from, you know, poor uh, academic environment, which is not their fault. And there's some that just because they were athletes, they were pushed through school. Now you're being challenged to be a good student athlete so you can get your degree because, let's be honest, not everybody's going to make it in the NFL. And if you do get to the NFL, the average lifespan is three to four years. Some of the guys don't even make it past their first contract. So now the things that are happening – for some guys, it's a struggle. But I think because it's a struggle doesn't mean you should be accusing the guy of basically mistreatment. Yeah, and especially with a new coach coming in, I can't remember off the top of my head just kind of how the administration was before. But usually when a new coach comes in, it's because the coach before you was ass. <laughs> so and if we're thinking about Minnesota football, before 2017, well, was Jerry they were down Kill. there with the Rutgers. They well, were down well, there was with... Jerry Kill bad? Was he that? I mean, Minnesota was up and down. I don't know if Jerry I mean, they were up and down, like, but, like, they were that hamster wheel. You never knew. Like, there was no consistent, you know, they weren't up there with the, the Iowa's. Like, every now and then, you know, you get your ranked season, but then it's kind of back to reality. And so kind of with this new trend, with um, Coach Fleck coming in, new culture, a lot of people may or may not agree with it. Um, uh, one of the former board of trustees members was talking, you know, raised concerns about thinking that there was issues about integrity. Um, and then, yeah, even in the report, um, players talking about that they felt rushed to return from injury or didn't think that their injuries concerns were validated, but is that not most coaches are going to try to push you to get back as early as possible? I mean, that, that usually happens across sports. I mean, I've seen it with not just football and different, you know, in yeah, just different collegiate athletics, you know, conversation with the student, with the trainers, and if the coach feels as you know, you can try to accelerate back, which again, all the things that we haven't heard any toxic culture stuff from any former Western Michigan players. And this was supposedly where it started cultivated was formed. Well, um, yeah, but, but think about it. What, what just came out with Northwestern? It's, 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 it's like I said, I, 
I'm, I'm, I'm here. I put it to you this way. I, I'm really passionate about this subject because I've seen it, and it's somewhat has personally happened to me, where you've had people that were disgruntled because whether or not their child was getting playing time or not, or really they have a narcissistic complex, want to railroad people. I said the new term now to get coaches and i think this is going to affect the coaching profession now it happens a little bit more in high school than in college is people are now if i don't get my way or if my child's not playing or i'm not getting the playing time that i believe that i should be getting people are going down the mental health route they did this to me we can't do this i said you're not allowing the coaches to coach is something's going to be excessive Yes, but most coaches nowadays, you take a whole bunch of mental health courses. You got to do a lot of stuff nowadays as a coach. I mean, you're just not out there just blowing the whistle and coming up with drills. You, you know, you, you basically got to build relationships with, with kids and parents, basically the family, the college level, to trust and trust in their kid. And the fact of the matter is, is that you got to develop the whole person. Like, for instance, really, to be honest with you, this just past weekend, I won a championship with my AAU basketball team last last tournament of the year last AAU games for these guys ever 17U ever and we ended up winning the championship um um so what happened was that they were all every single parent was happy that I coached their child. Like I said, they said I instilled confidence in them and everything like that. And, and you know, I, I took it in stride. But there was a point a couple years ago where uh, someone decided that they wanted to railroad the program and write a letter to administration claiming I was mentally abusing their child by telling them the truth about their game. Didn't do it in a mentally abusive way. Was watching a film session one day and I said, you know hey, these are some of the things I think you need to do to work on your game. And I guess supposedly they felt humiliated. Wasn't out there purposely trying to humiliate them or anything like that. I've always been a coach that's been transparent and always been honest. Always. And um, so what happened was me and that coach basically got relieved of our duties. And, you know, for me, I was upset. Because basically what happened was these parents, I, well, they were, they were kind of set, the, par, the, the player was kind of set up to do it because they actually had a voice because they were actually pretty good. But a few of the parents were upset because their child didn't get to play. They had an entitlement issue. And they knew that, obviously, you can't go up to the administrators and say, well, my kid didn't play. I want to put in a complaint. Because let's be honest, you can't. Playing time is by the discretion of the coach. But you're starting to see now when people don't get their way, what do they use? Mental health. Because you can't measure it. It's, it, it's basically all other things that happen to people you can measure. If somebody, if you overly physically exerting somebody, you can go to the trainer and say, yeah, this is what happened. But mental health, you can't measure it. There's people that have mental health issues and then you find out about it usually in a tragic way people sometimes hide their feelings so you never know but as coaches who really are in this profession and and really take it seriously know that they always try to keep that open relationship and open dialogue with players because like i said not every player is open with their feelings let's just be honest with that they're not so sometimes you got to keep up that open dialogue but at the same time though 
you see things like this and i and i really think that you know if the stuff happened shame on coach flack but if you're saying this to railroad the guy because you didn't have a great experience with him and now you want to inflict pain and try to do things to to railroad the program shame on them and that's what basically happened in the in the situation with me and this other coach was basically you, your your player wasn't all that with you kind of accepted that they weren't that good but the parent obviously with their ego was upset and thought that their child was being hurt and then now it's trying to tell the administration oh well they mentally abused my kid which wasn't was false but unfortunately nowadays when you get these allegations like that especially in high school you don't want that black eye so what you do is you just eliminate the coaches and it's starting to become more prominent and prominent and prominent because people want their way. I will tell you this, though. People that do this, it won't work really on the college level. But the thing that you're doing is, one, you're destroying someone else's livelihood, especially if the accusations are false. Two, you're also destroying the program because of out of your own bitterness. I will say that because of what has happened a couple years ago to me and the guy I was coaching with is actually damaged that program for the long run and now that program doesn't have a coach because of other people's selfishness they couldn't put their own needs aside for the bigger picture and decided to do this to me and another coach and then the coach that replaced us they did the same thing to that person so now this program doesn't have a coach and who loses in the end of the day are the kids and this is the same prime example if this stuff goes on and obviously it's wrong and if it's proven that people are actually getting hurt and there's hazing like the northwestern situation i understand it but it looks like with this pj fleck thing it seems like pj fleck we know is a charismatic guy he probably got the kid in as a recruit it wasn't what the kid thought it was they didn't mesh the person left now all of a sudden you want to basically put these baseless claims on this guy in this program but at the end of the day I think if these are baseless claims that come out to be true, they're baseless claims. Shame on them for being selfish. That's all I got to say on that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of it. And I think this front office sports keeps giving all these exclusives and all these anonymous people coming out of the woodwork, which on the one hand, you want to validate and make sure that they're heard but at the same time. Like you said, you don't want to kind of on the precipice of a new season where you have a bunch of student athletes, young men who have bought into the culture or were recruited by the, you know, by coach Flack to kind of be a part of the culture. So now they're going to be negatively impacted and affected. It's a distraction after your experience, right? It's a, it's basically a distraction. And let's be honest, misery loves company. So, there'll be some guys that are just totally miserable and then try to get other people on who are on the fence that could be on the fence, try to get on their side of the fence. Well, it wasn't really that bad, but there was this one time and then, Oh, okay. Well, what happened that one time? Well, I let you, I've seen it happen and it's sad. It's, it's just nothing but manipulation. Now I think the Northwestern situation might be a little bit different, but then again, though, like I said, how are you going to coach? I mean, you, you got to sometimes you you have to have to make the kids have accountability. I said this is where I, I, I get upset with this because let the coaches coach. 
if it comes out that they're being overly excessive or, you know, physically harming them, I mean, the Bobby Knight days are over of coaching. Let's just let's be honest. Those days are over, cracking people with bull whips or coaches can't go and physically accost a player. Or do You can't do that. Or, you know, you can't verbally abuse the player. But if we're doing a defensive drill and you've been telling the players over and over and over again that, hey, this is what we need to be doing and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, well, guess what? Here's a consequence. Do you want this consequence now in practice or do you want the feeling of losing? And that's what builds up losing cultures is when you start letting the outside forces trying to run it and just letting the players do what they want to do. Because trust me, when you start losing and you don't have accountability and you don't have set standards, you're going to get fired. Plain and simple. And then the players are going to look at you and be like, where's the discipline? Kids want discipline. They do. Trust me, I've been doing this for a long time. Kids will say to you, man, coach, you got the most out of me. I didn't think I could get the most out of me. And sometimes you got to give adversity to people. Sometimes you got to do those physical demanding things. Sometimes you got to do things where you have them cleaning up the weight room. Now, do I say you do it to be an embarrassing the kid? No. If you're doing stuff to embarrass them, if you're doing stuff to single out kids, and you're doing it consistently, okay, yeah, there's a harassment issue here. There's mistreatment. But if you're doing it as a team, and let's say, and this happens a lot, I see in practices, you got that one person that's just not getting the drill, or one day they're all up in their feelings, and they feel, well, I'm not going to, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do, and the coach says, no, 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 we win as a team, and we lose as a team, and now everybody's got to run. People get mad and upset. Sometimes you need to have that 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 peer intervention to be like, look, we're not going to be putting up with all this stuff. You're going to be you're going to cooperate with the with the vision that we have here. If not, then you can go. Pretty simple. But nowadays, people want to just hop in and say, oh, this mental abuse and you're doing all this stuff. And now you, you're going to get to the point where coaches can't coach. And at the high school level, there's a lot of coaches that are getting out of the profession because you're letting outside sources run it like think about it do i go to your church and tell you how to run your church and i have no clue how to be a pastor now how would you like that you you wouldn't like that would yes. you, Dave? yeah it, it doesn't make any sense yes, I know. but that's what's going on with coaching now you got people coming in trying to run run your practices I, and to be honest with you as me as a coach I, i'm very transparent there's coaches that say closed practices i say i have open practices I, I don't have anything to hide. This is how I coach. I'm pretty honest and I'm pretty transparent. Once you see how I am, and I've learned that through the, through the years, as long as you be honest, I don't sell people a dream or anything. I don't. I said, this is how I coach. I've had people say, I'm glad that you're hard on the kids. I, I will tell you that, to be quite honest with you, this year, and I'm not really – one of those hard guys. I'm not really a PJ Fleck. I try to inspire and stuff like that. But sometimes you gotta you gotta get in them. Sometimes you know people want to see that. If you kind of lazy dazzy, people be like, eh, "This coach is soft." And then people start doing their own thing. And then the next thing you know, you didn't lost control of the program. You can't lose control of the program. You got to be who you are. But unfortunately, you get people that just come in and. I said a lot of times when I see stories like this, it, usually some people have their own agenda. Now, it kind of sucks with football because you got to bring in all these people. You know, basketball, mm, it's a little bit easier to contain. But with football, you got to bring in all these guys. And like I said, it just seems like to me, 
there was guys that just didn't fully buy in, and now all of a sudden they're trying to say that um, there was abuse. And you already know in, in today's age the juicy stories sell, and someone thinks they got a hot piece on a coach. These are things that happen. Yeah, it's just this is what we're going to have to deal with. And unfortunately, Peter Fleck is in the crosshairs, uh, especially after what happened with Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald. People's ears are yeah. tuned particularly high kind of when they hear abuse. And it's like, is this another Northwestern situation? Oh, Lord. No. Right. And like, but, you, like you mentioned earlier, you're not hearing anything from Western Michigan. He's doing the same thing, row the boat, doing all the terms. Now, some people think that some of the terms he was doing were kind of corny. Um, but, I mean, that's what that's what he did. That's what he tries to do for buying. I, I, I think some of the things were kind of creative. Um, but at the same time, though, I mean, it is what it is. Um, it, it's tough. It's it's tough. I feel for coaches nowadays. It's 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 real tough. And like I said, sometimes you just get people that try to railroad you for stuff. And um, I think sometimes the truth hurts too. I think sometimes when you're truthful for, with people and that reality hits that you're not as good as you think you are. And you got to remember too, in college sports, a lot of these kids have been brought up. You they've been the best on the team, especially if they're playing Division One. They're being the best on the team. They're being told you're this. You're being told you're that. Now you're going up against other Division One athletes, and I don't think sometimes some people can take the reality is I'm just not as good as this person, or I'm just not as good at this level. Yeah, D one, you may be the elite, but there are still yeah there there are tiers even in D one. Oh, he's even more yeah. upper echelon. Last thing, David, what you got? Uh, yeah, and just kind of. When I think about this whole story, I come back to, yes, there were you know former players that are kind of named in this report, but just the amount of people, former players, current players that have come out and supported P.J. Flack, you know, there, there are still people that understand and respect the culture and appreciate what Coach Flack has done for them, not just on the field, but off the field and taking a page from Coach, Coach Campbell, you know, this game is only going to be here, you know, three years, four years, you know, maybe five or six, depending on injuries and retros and all that stuff. Like, but I'm trying to mold you into being a young man. that's going to be productive in society. That's something that I know Coach Fleck is was preaching in Western Michigan, and I know he's done it in Minnesota. So my my words is yeah, keep keep rowing the boat. the The culture is good, you know, got some rocky waters, but. It's all going to work out. I mean, you're right. It has been working out. You because let's just be honest. Um, Minnesota football has been bad before PJ Fleck got there. You're you're right. You, you know, I, I totally agree with you. You're totally right. And since he's been I mean, there, it's been yeah. yeah. He, since he's been there, they've been really competitive. They've gotten to bowl games. They've beaten Wisconsin for the Paul Bunyan. What is it? The Paul Bunyan axe. Yeah, and then for a while there, I don't think they hadn't beaten him for a while. So people, you know, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, and he's going to keep doing it. Hopefully, more bowl games, and I'm sure within a couple of years, he'll mm-hmm. probably, you know, get an offer to go to a better Big Ten school, or he may just stay there. You never know. 
That's true. Um, I th- I thought he probably would have. I'm surprised he's been at Minnesota that long. I didn't think he'd be there that long. Well, I mean, like we said, Minnesota wasn't you know the best, and also they were coming off of you know revolts and scandals, so they just need someone to help steady things. But yeah, when you're successful, you're gonna they're gonna give you money, and especially when you're at a a power five school. Whether it's Minnesota, whether it's Rutgers, like you're you're at a Power Five, you're at a D one college football Power Five school. You you got you got a little bit of umph behind your voice. Yeah, that is true. We'll take a quick commercial break. Listen to eighty-eight point three WCTs after further review, talking a little bit about PJ Fleck and the changing cultures of just sports in general and mental health like i said mental health is very important but unfortunately though i think some people take it a little bit too far coming up next what is the greenwashing of professional soccer just a simple question as we tease would you take 400 million a year to play soccer in saudi arabia 400 million (laughs) 400 mil. Wow, that's a lot. We'll discuss it on the other side of this here on 88.3 WCTs After Further Review. Make sure you always listen to us on the podcast, WCTs After Further Review. Put a picture of Frank Basher and the horse's head on SoundCloud and on iTunes. When we return, talk a little soccer. And then a little bit after that, we'll also talk a little bit about contracts. Are they really based on players' performance? Or sometimes just based on clout or um, basically on projections that more here on 88.3 WXUT or more or less potential and we got the potential of coming right back after this